2: So this is Christopher Ray. The day he became the FBI director. There he is, taking the oath of office, an oath that I believe he will go on to break on numerous occasions. And in the middle there, who's that? There's Andrew McCabe. What is he doing there? Andrew McCabe? Anyway, he'd be fired in less than a year. No, I don't like Christopher Ray, the FBI director. In fact, the FBI, I'm sorry. I don't like that organization anymore. They have failed us. They have deceived us. And what they pulled in the 2020 election and beyond, looks like a lot of those guys did not live up to their oath of office. I want to revisit the situation on January 6th. When people arrived at the Capitol, this question did not even occur to me. Do you realize there's a possibility that the FBI had either agents or informants staged at the Capitol in Trump attire in MAGA attire? Waiting for the crowds to get there to blend in—that it was part of the plan. Why can't Director Ray give this good congressman a straight answer? And there's something else we noticed. We'll show you.
0: Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being open?
2: Again, I had to be very careful. It should what be I a
0: can no. Say. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters position inside the Capitol. Gentleman's time has expired. You should not read anything into my n- decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray.: Gentleman's
1: course. time has expired.
2: Oh, boy. There's no reason, no reason not to share that, unless, of course, you want to protect the reputation of the FBI. There's also no legitimate reason to have had people staged inside the Capitol dressed in MAGA attire to blend in. We can't get a straight answer. I think he's concealing something, don't you? Take a look at this. The close-up of his mouth. uh, I'm no body language expert, but take a look at what's happening there. See that quivering? This is a man who's nervous. Happens more. Now the anger. And the nervousness. He's hiding something from us, just like the entire bureau, I believe, is. And this is not new, of course. This is the FBI that is headquartered in the J. Edgar Hoover building. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) J. Edgar Hoover. Don't we know enough about this guy where he's been discredited? But we're renaming bases. We're renaming Army and Marine Corps bases, but this thing is still named for J. Edgar Hoover who apparently blackmailed Martin Luther King. The FBI has been screwing up for decades, actually. Uh, we like to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm sorry. Those days are over. <laughs> who remembers the anthrax attacks? Remember this The anthrax letters mailed out, killed people. We thought, well, this must be coming from this must be state sponsored terrorism. And then they focused on uh, Dr. Stephen Hatfill. Remember him? the wrong guy back in 2001 2002 they they were all over him they had him under surveillance they ransacked his house put his girlfriend in solitary for a time this guy had it right about the fbi
0: i want to look my fellow americans directly in the eye and declare to them i am not the anthrax killer i know nothing about the anthrax attacks I had absolutely nothing to do with this terrible crime. It has an investigation that is characterized by the apparent avoidance of any major avenue of inquiry except the one decided upon by the Attorney General. Most importantly, it is driven by a compelling and overwhelming desire that the FBI look good at any cost, regardless of the price and individual freedom, due process,
1: common decency and civil liberties
2: that's how they work that's how they've always worked it seems to be in the fbi's dna and by the way yes he was completely innocent and finally seven or eight years later they found the guy who did it dr ribbons and the fbi got there i can't say in the nick of time because uh, well dr ribbons was was already dead so in the meantime they can't handle the basics they're actually going into the realm of social media and elections. The FBI talking to Twitter and Facebook in the run-up to the election, warning them about a Russia disinformation campaign. And by the way, it wasn't just Facebook. It was Google. It was LinkedIn, YouTube, all these, all these entities warning them about the laptop. And once I do believe they helped secure the election for Joe Biden, Well, they have to protect the presidency of Joe Biden. They have to protect Joe Biden's children. That's happening. And they have to ignore Tony Bobolinsky.
0: I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe, that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with
2: the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in
0: writing, but only face to face.
2: This guy is still out there. It looks like the FBI just worked to conceal his story, not get to the bottom of it. That's a problem. And now that Joe Biden is in office, you know what we're hearing? And there are investigators on Capitol Hill who are looking into this, that the FBI may have been working with big tech to stifle discussion about such issues as losing the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's a bad issue for the Biden administration. Maybe that shouldn't be discussed widely on on social media. And quite frankly, it wasn't. I can't believe it. We lost a war and somehow the American public moved on in about two weeks. And Dr. Fauci, Ooh, you couldn't talk about Dr. Fauci, right? And the Wuhan lab and perhaps America's role in funding gain-of-function research? No, you, that's prohibited somehow. Why? Because well, you can't question these unelected men and women, these men and women of the National Institute of Health, the men and women of uh, Department X, Y, and Z. The men and women, right? Remember, those men and women work for us. Somehow, the way they talk... I think they've got it the other way around. The men and women of the Department of Defense.
0: The flexibility and the professionalism of the men and women of the U.S. military.
2: My faith and confidence in the great work of the men and women of the FBI. The men and women of the Department of Homeland Security. The men and women
0: of uh, the State Department.
2: Those men and women, I'm sure, for the most part, are fine people, but they're public servants. And the way they're elevated, revered, uh, especially by the electeds who come and go, that shows you that we have a deep state. The men and women, they're just people. We don't work for them. They work for us. And I think a lot of women, men and women, at the FBI, as we pointed out yesterday, they're not working for us. They're working for the Democrat National Committee. Maybe they should be rebrand once and for all the DNC. What do you think? All right. Have you heard anybody speak like this recently?
1: Hi, I'm Jackson Bird. I'm a YouTuber and writer from New York City. My pronouns are he, him, his. Hello, everyone. My name is Francis Tolino. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Adam, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm Asia. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs.
2: Yeah, it's ludicrous. It started 20 minutes ago, but now it just might be the law of the land if you don't use those preferred pronouns you could be in trouble you could be out of a job it seems to be happening to uh vivian garrity at jackson memorial middle school a teacher there since august of 2020 forced to resign over pronoun policy she's now suing for a violation of personal freedom she would not be the only one to be in this position who knows uh, professor jordan peterson an amazing guy he first rose to fame because as a professor i believe at the university of toronto He refused to use these pronouns. It's one thing to use them, you know, as a choice or with discretion or as a courtesy, but you can't compel people to speak in a certain way. And he said no.
0: The reason I wouldn't use the words Z and Xur and all those other made-up words, however many there are now, is because I'm not willing to cede the linguistic territory to postmodern radicals. I'm not doing that. And they say, well, we're doing it on behalf of the oppressed transsexual people. And I think, yeah, well, that's what you say. But there's no reason I should believe that. I don't believe anything you say. I think you're contemptible, cowardly, uh, ideologically motivated, cult-like corruptors of the youth. So why would I use your language?
2: What a hero. What a hero, Jordan Peterson. And next, what a zero, huh? John Bolton former ambassador to the United Nations, wearer of a bizarre mustache, thinks he can be president of the United States.
0: There's one thing that would get me to get into the presidential race, which I looked at in prior elections. It would be to make it clear to the people of this country that Donald Trump is unacceptable as the Republican nominee. I'd like to see Sherman-esque statements from all the potential candidates. If I don't see that, then I'm going to seriously consider getting in.
2: Uh, Knock yourself out. There have been a lot of never Trumpers who have tried to stop Trump. Uh, What do you have to show for yourself, Mr. Bolton, your association with George W. Bush, uh, your public vow to blow up the United Nations, and yes, your hand in getting us into the catastrophic, beyond belief, disaster of a war, the war in Iraq that we went in for weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. That's going to be a hell of a campaign you got some nerve. I'll be right back. All I can can say say is is that that the the fake fake news news just just doesn't get it it. today. And the fake news has orchestrated a very, very silly conversation about race in America. Uh, The conversation they want in America is for white people like me. To just listen, which is basically code for shut up.
1: I think that white people uh, should listen. White people should listen to African Americans. I think white people need to listen. When it comes to race, white people need to listen more.
2: Yeah, uh, this white person is going to shoot his mouth off about whatever he wants. Including race, because I noticed that the people who speak about race, no matter what their color, the ones who speak about it the most are far left. They set the parameters. They set the rules. And this is the only way you can talk, especially if you are a very wealthy, rich, white man like the former FBI guy James Comey. Oh, boy, this virtue signaling nauseous. And oh, by the way, wrong. Listen.
0: Research points to the widespread existence of unconscious bias. Many people in our white majority culture have unconscious racial biases and react differently to a white face than a black face. In fact, we all, white and black, carry various biases around with us.
2: All right, a couple of things about this that are ludicrous. The FBI director talking about unconscious bias, which, which is essentially junk science, okay? It can't be proven. And also, even if it could be proven, there's really nothing you can do about it. And did you notice he said white people and black people as if there's no one else, right? Asian, Hispanic. And, and if you really want to talk about race, there are different shades of colors, right? Ask Oprah Winfrey. This is a whole other aspect of race that's only occasionally discussed. But it's a real thing.
1: I came to m- live in Milwaukee with my mother who was uh, rooming with a lady. And uh, my mother has, a- has another uh, daughter. So I have a half-sister who was light-skinned and younger than I. And they were allowed to stay inside the house. And I was forced to sleep outside in the hallway. <sighs> because I was the brown-skinned person. And, you know, and my, you know, my mother did it just because otherwise we'd have no place to sleep. But the place was uh, owned by a white... Uh, uh, not white, but uh, I thought she was white, Ms. Miller, who also passed and just didn't want the brown-skinned child in her house. It's just really racism passed on to ourselves.
2: Racism, black people, racist against black people. It's a very interesting... Um Thought and it's kind of sad, but it's real. We're not having this conversation anymore. Now it's white people are need to shut up, right? Need to be quiet. You know what Oprah's talking about here. You can even pick it up from Barack Obama. Yeah, in some of his memoirs, you know, seven of them about himself, he talks about it that he was not trusted by uh, certain elements in the black community. They did not trust him. They thought he was too white. Uh, Is he even black? He actually he went through this. It's just not as cut and dried as the current moment seems to want to believe. All right, take a look at this.
1: I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board, president of this district, sends the wrong message to our community. A message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables. Mrs. Steinbeck has done an exemplary job as president these last few months, and the strength of her performance has earned her my vote tonight.
2: All right. Uh, The white guy who likes girls is not qualified because he's a white guy who likes girls, even though he would be an exemplary uh, board president. This is not the America I want to live in. (laughs) Let's judge based on what's inside, not on what's the outside. I learned that in first grade. So did you probably. What is going on? Do me a favor. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, on the floor of the United States Senate. One of the smartest senators, actually. He clerked for Justice Alito. Did you know that? Anyway, he was just reelected to the United States Senate for another term, and he joins us right now. Senator Mike Lee, welcome back to Newsmax. Great to see you. How are you?
0: Doing great. Thank you
2: very much. Sir, uh, first, before we talk about some specifics that are going on right now, how do you feel overall? I mean, I'm a little bit demoralized. I wish you guys were in the majority. It's not happening. Um, How hamstrung are you going to be? How deflated are you that you wouldn't be able to do some of the things that I guess you wanted to do if you were in the majority?
0: Yeah, obviously it's discouraging. It's a little um, disillusioning to get to the end of the race where you expected that we would have Republican majorities in the House and in the Senate, and to have only a a small, narrow majority in the House. But, look, we've we've got to deal with the facts as they are. We've got to deal with reality on the ground. And and I think if we are assertive, uh, we can make a lot of this situation. Uh, One of the things that we've got to do is make sure that we don't front-end load all the spending needlessly before the new Congress takes over. And uh, I, I think we can do a much better job if we've got A Republican majority in the House that's willing to actually fight for conservative priorities rather than just joining up uh, with the Democrats and furthering progressive priorities uh, will be in much better shape. It's one of the reasons why I'm against this omnibus.
2: I'm sorry, you're against what? I'm sorry.
0: Uh, The omnibus spending bill that um, both chambers are getting ready to put forward, uh, an omnibus spending bill that none of us have seen, that doesn't yet exist. We don't even know the top line numbers of, of it yet. And yet you've got a whole lot of members of the House and of the Senate, including, unfortunately, a number of Republicans who seem to be embracing this idea that we must pass the omnibus. But it's an omnibus that doesn't yet exist. It ties all of the government funding for the balance of fiscal year 2023 into one bill. And that bill doesn't yet exist. And yet it has to be passed within the next week or so, even though we won't have seen it, we won't have had any opportunity to review it. Air it with the public, amend it, or improve it. It's a very, very good reason why we ought to move this decision to next year, why we ought to pass a short-term spending bill to allow the new Congress to start from square one and start over.
2: Makes a lot of sense. By the way, if we had to shut the government down, which, you know, for some people that's, like, just unthinkable, but we've done it before, the government shuts down every weekend. They they, they shut down every holiday, and there are plenty of holidays Is that really as ominous as it sounds? I don't think it is, but what what is your take? Because they really try to scare us about a government shutdown.
0: Yeah, they do. Uh, They they try to scare us with that. It's not ideal. We certainly should try to avoid it. It's not necessary here. That's why what I've been calling for uh, is for a short-term spending bill that will take us a few weeks into the new Congress, to allow the new Congress to draft spending legislation and debate it, discuss it, amend it in the light of day rather than doing this right now. It's why last night I tried to pass this legislation that would do precisely that. Now, it received an objection that Democrats objected to it. I'm going to keep pushing for this because otherwise what we've got right now, they're going to try to bring forward uh, probably in the next 24 to 48 hours, a short term spending bill that will extend government funding. Uh, a week forward up to December 23rd. Now, that sounds like people trying to do that or trying to avoid a shutdown. That's not. They're actually accentuating, they're magnifying the shutdown threat. They're trying to take it as close to Christmas as they possibly can so that they can extort members into voting for a bad spending bill that they wouldn't otherwise support, a bill that they still haven't seen or read. That's what I've been talking about. You've got these twin threats the twin threats of a shutdown occurring just before Christmas and the the, the the competing threat of we might have to work through Christmas and cancel uh, travel plans, plans to be with family. There's no reason why we have to run it this way. That's why I proposed moving the spending a few weeks forward so we can deal with it in the new Congress.
2: Senator, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, they signed it with great fanfare on the the South Lawn there at the White House. All kinds of characters were in attendance. Um, This bill rubs me the wrong way. You're an expert. Can you kind of go into it? What's what's really going on here, please?
0: Look, uh, the biggest single thing that worries me about this is that this bill was passed without adequate religious freedom protections. It doesn't, for example, prohibit the federal government from retaliating against an individual organ an organization based on a sincerely held religious belief about same-sex marriage, whether for or against, it should have contained that protection. We've feared for a long time. We've feared since the Supreme Court held its oral arguments in Obergefell versus Hodges back in nineteen, back in two thousand fifteen, when my former boss, Justice Alito, asked then Solicitor General uh, Varelli uh, whether some. Uh, religious nonprofits that don't recognize same-sex marriage might lose their tax-exempt status. The Solicitor General re- reiterated three times that uh, he said, "Yes, this is going to be a problem." Justice Alito, we don't deny that it's going to be a problem. So uh, this this legislation effectively codified uh, the, the Obergefell ruling. And in order to do that and make it non-harmful, non-threatening to religious freedom, it needed at a minimum to have an amendment, an amendment like the one I drafted that would have pre- prohibited government retaliation against this religious belief. But sadly, um, there were enough Republicans, 12 in total in the Senate, who were willing to join with every Democrat and keep them united uh, uh, to pass the bill without those protections. Yeah. I think that's really unfortunate. I think a chill wind blows as a result uh, against religious freedom.
2: Well, Senator, congratulations on your re-election. We wish you were in the majority, but we're glad you're there. Hey, can I ask you one thing about working for a Supreme Court justice? When you're a clerk, is the justice your boss, or is there, like, uh, an intermediary? Is there a chief of staff or something like that? Or do you report directly to the justice? justice.
0: You report directly to the justice. And uh, he's your boss. He's your client. your only client. You're focused specifically on that justice and I'm, I'm grateful to have worked for justice alito as, as fine a human being and legal mind as as i've ever met
2: you know it was real uh, privilege i think he wrote the dobbs decision and and reading it i thought it was a beautiful decision and it made sense you know the law you don't have to necessarily be a lawyer to understand some of that stuff at least uh, senator mike lee many thanks
0: have a great christmas thank you very much same to you you bet we'll be right back
2: Perhaps the ultimate phony in the world, John Kerry, uh, running around talking about climate change and flying those private jets. Remember this? I understand that you came here with
0: a private jet. Uh, Is that uh, an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. The time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. But what I'm doing, almost full-time, is working to win the battle of climate change.
2: (laughs) Well, he has to meet with people. (laughs) He has to meet... Everybody who flies is going to meet people and do things. And he almost works on these issues full-time. Wow, what a patriot, what a patrician snob. But uh, flying private, that's what they're all about, even when they work for the government. Uh, Take a look at this airport. Uh, We know that transportation in America is really screwed up right now. Uh, The secretary of transportation should be all over this, right? Pete Buttigieg. Uh, But no, you may have heard this. He's flown 18 times on taxpayer-funded private jets since last year at $5,000 per hour. As a transportation secretary, why isn't he on JetBlue, Delta, United, like the rest of us? See what it's like. See, this is what these guys go in it for, the perks. And his ascendancy to the cabinet, it really is a joke. He was the mayor of a very small town. Uh, What is it? South South Wayne, South South Bend, Indiana. Right. All right. Yeah. Fighting Irish, right? Yeah. South Bend. Nothing against them, but it's really small. Mayor Pete runs for president. His big selling point is he's gay. Uh, I don't care. But boy, oh, boy, political writers could not stop writing about his sexuality. They really cared for some reason. Most normal people don't. Anyway, normal people who gay, straight or anything, by the way, don't care. So he gets the big job as a payoff for dropping out of the presidential race, which he did surprisingly well in. And what does he do? He goes on vacation. <laughs> he takes that crazy paternity leave. Uh, it's great that they have children, but taking three months off. But here's something else. I saw this. Here's Secretary Pete in his transportation, uh, Department of Transportation office. And I noticed something. Uh, The planes and aircraft, he's got some planes and aircraft on his bookshelf there. Marine One, that's the president's helicopter. And an Osprey, a backup, those are aircraft that normal people can't fly in. (laughs) He's the secretary of transportation. He has no interest in normal people's lives. All right, moving on to the White House. They signed that, uh, what was it called again? The the Defense of Marriage Act, the Respect Marriage Act, and all kinds of characters came. I want to talk about the guy on the right in the tan coat with the turtleneck. His name is Marty Cummings. And when he's not at the White House, he's rather subdued here. Uh, He carries on, and this is probably why he was invited, because of the antics, which are, um, well, not impressive, actually. And this is downright disgusting and illegal, dancing in front of a two-year-old kid in a very suggestive manner to a, to a classic children's song. Uh, what is it with the drag queens and the kids? And what is it with drag queens, by the way? They are terrible, terrible dancers. I've never seen one good dancer. And Joe Biden is obsessed with them for some unknown reason.
0: We'll be right back. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show.
2: genitalia, or lack thereof. And Joe Biden having the back of trans kids. Not go for it. Not go to the moon. Not go to the Mars. Just this silly stuff. The Mars. Anyway, many thanks, and I'll see you tomorrow.